those in our Charlotte community. Thank you guys for tuning back into another episode of the podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Alvin C. Jacobs Jr. is this week's guest on the podcast, and I could not be more excited, uh, more honored that uh, we had an opportunity to sit down and talk. Uh, image activist, photographer, uh, Alvin discusses his journey to Charlotte from Rockford, Illinois, and just uh, projects that he has worked on throughout the years um, here in the city of Charlotte. And it's, it's work that is admirable, inspiring, powerful. He highlights um, issues that bring communities together when you talk about it and when you put in the work to make the community better. And he consistently just motivates me to learn and understand the problems that are here and things that I can help with and want to help with and want to learn about. And um, I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of his work, especially this year from Minneapolis to Charlotte. And uh, it just uh, was a really, really nice conversation to have uh, with somebody like Alvin. He's a great man. And um, definitely we are super lucky. Um, and it's just an honor to have him in this city and uh, to have him represent uh, what Charlotte is all about. So hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Alvin, thank you so much for the time again. Can't wait to see you soon. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. very thankful for your time um, and just the few times that we've met and chatted for a couple minutes and just the work that you do, um, the, the lessons that you teach me and I know other people in our community here, um, the exhibits you do, the photography you do, the stories you tell, uh, it's, it's powerful and it makes me want to be better and makes me want to learn, understand, and grow in ways that will hopefully better somebody else. And um, I just am very thankful for your time and um, excited to chat. I I appreciate you, man. Like, um, as I was kind of saying a bit earlier, we're learning everything at and around the same time. Mm-hmm. What you're learning from me, I'm learning from you. You know, I'm learning from others. And it's really dependent on what we do with the information. You know, when we were in school, you know, the teachers or our professors taught everyone at the same time. You were right. in a class setting and you, you either absorbed the information or you didn't. And the individuals who absorbed the information Maybe they got smarter, but at the very least, if they could translate that into test taking and you know, um, the ability to 
showcase their ability to learn, they got better grades. Well, we're being tested every single day as right. human beings, as Americans, and politically, socioeconomically, you know, with religion. There's there's things that that we aren't doing well. Um, COVID is 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 one of those things, and it has a lot to do with our place in the world as Americans and our place in society in America. Right. So as a photographer, as an image activist, I, I didn't realize that I didn't have to do everything. I just had to do what I knew how to do very well and very consistent. I'm not an influencer. I'm not, um, I'm not a celebrity photographer. I'm not a lot of things, but I am a proletariat. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, a man of the people. And that comes with a lot of responsibility. Yes. You know, it comes with a lot of sacrifice. It's not as glamorous and, 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 and cute as people think it is. You know, you're, you're on every watch list. Right. Known to man. You know, if anything happens to you, you know, every misdeed, every misquote since you were three years old, you know, um, can and will be used against you in a court of public opinion. So you have to walk light. You know, um, I didn't I didn't realize how important this job was going to end up being. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I can't put down now. Right. I'm proud of it. I'm glad that um, I've embraced it because, hell, what are you going to do? Right. But um, it's interesting because, like, whatever we were doing, and I seen a meme the other day. It was like, you know, if you ever wonder what you would have done during the Holocaust, if you ever wonder what you would have done during the Civil War, if you ever wonder, you know, you know, all these things, you're doing it right now. Anything that you're doing now, you would have probably done then. Right. Given the opportunity, because some of those, and I'm not, I'm not equating any of those atrocities, but what are we doing now? You know, mm -hmm. what are we doing now during, during this climate? We're the same people. You would be the same person given the same information. So I just try to show up in a way that my legacy would hold true that I did what I knew how to do when I was supposed to do it. Right. So that's important to me. Yeah. So Rockford, Illinois, yep. right? Yep. What was your journey like to Charlotte? What brought you here? Oh man, I couldn't wait to get out of that town, man. I couldn't wait. Yeah. Um, I left the first time right out of high school. I had to go. I, I saw what the, the community was becoming. I saw, you know, what the city, what the town was turning into. And, um, so I've been on the run since like 18, 19 years old. Mm -hmm. I've lived in some pretty great cities and I always wanted Rockford to be a place that was as great as I knew it was, but it wasn't. And it still isn't. And I wasn't willing to sacrifice my future, you know, to put on for my city, you know, you know, to, uh, to, uh, paraphrase young Jeezy. I knew it wasn't going to give me what I needed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a reason why people live in LA their whole life. There's a peop there's a reason why people live in Brooklyn their whole life. There's a reason why people live in Houston. Wow. Why there's so much pride in Texas, you know, right. Chicago, man, people can't wait to tell you where they're from. Rockford is 90 miles north of Chicago. It ain't Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's like Durham is an amazing city, but Durham ain't Charlotte. Right. You know, um, Greensboro, great city, right? It ain't Charlotte. And not saying Charlotte is, you know, it, uh, uh, Durham isn't Raleigh. 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A little bit closer of a proximity, but um, just moving around, man, trying to trying to find a place where I could work. You know what I mean? You know, let me move to a city where I could, you know, get a job. No, a place where I could where I could feel like I was home. Um, I grew up in a city where if you're different, everyone makes you feel like there's something wrong with you internally. And by different, I mean if you have different ideologies, if you have different um, a different political education. Like black people in my city growing up just didn't have. If that, if that, I mean, that's just it. We we didn't own. We did. We weren't. We weren't allowed access. Mm-hmm. And you grow up thinking that there's something wrong with you. The only thing you're going to be able to look forward to is graduate high school, maybe, you know, a little bit of junior college, maybe, you know, an associate's degree, and then, you know, get a job um, in one of the neighboring factories, you know, mm-hmm. for your whole life. And there's generations of that um, as testament that it works. But if you want to be something different, Rockford isn't the city. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be as successful as you might be somewhere else. You're not going to get the support. You're not going to get the understanding. And again, that plays on your mental health, that there's something wrong with you. And you end up feeling inadequate. So when you finally break out, oh, man, you're on fire. Um, There was a brother that um, I knew from Rockford. His name is James Ford. And um, we were good friends in Rockford. We didn't grow up together because I'm a little older than he is. But he came here and just hit the ground running. You know, teacher of the year, right? Like from the same city. And he got her like a year or two before I did. Mm-hmm. Rockford will breed some great individuals. I mean, look at, look at, uh, well, former um, NBA world champion, you know, from the Toronto Raptors. You know, we got a brother who, who was from Rockford, went to the same high school. You know, we can do it, but it's just harder. Right. And, that takes a lot out of you. You have to be a special person to work through that pain, to work through the lack of support. You know, you don't hear too many people claiming Rockford, not because it's only 150,000 people. Hell, Compton, I'm not sure if it has 150,000 people. You know, it's a small city, but hell, they've been yelling Compton. It was just <laughs> something to be proud of. Right. You know, Port Arthur, Texas, you know, where um, you know UGK is from. You know, it's a little small town, you know, outside of Houston. I, I know there's not 150,000 people. But I'm saying that you have to do some great things and be surrounded by great people. And you also have to know when it's time to go. Mm-hmm. You don't owe a job. You don't owe a city, a zip code, a state. You owe yourself. And if it ain't working, it just ain't working. Right. So, you know, I, I was I was in Atlanta when Atlanta was just everything. So I moved down there. I was like 19 or something like that. Um, moved back to Rockford. Um, then I think I might have moved to like South Florida. Then I think I moved back to Rockford. Then I think I moved to like South Carolina for five minutes. And I think I moved back to Rockford. Then I think I moved to like New York or something or Texas or something. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that's just how it's been. But then right. I'd always go back to Rockford. And it was kind of a reset, but it was just so depressing. So. This time, I'm like, I'm never going back. I'm right. never, ever, ever, ever going to live there again. Not because it's just the worst place on earth. It's not about that anymore. It's about how I'm able to contribute to my community. And if I can't actively commu- communicate, communicate, yes, and contribute to my community, I have no business there. Because I'm doing myself and my community a disservice if I'm not contributing. So if it's just too hard, there's just no way out. There's, 
this opportunity just will not allow me to be who I am, then what am I doing? It's like a relationship. Mm -hmm. This relationship isn't serving you. Why are you, why are you still in this relationship? Why are you still at this job? That's just it. But we, we get afraid and you know, we don't want to be unemployed. Right. You know, we don't want to be unpartnered, you know? So it's like, okay, well I'm just going to just live this life as long as I can live it. Cause it's just the best it's going to get, man. No. So Charlotte made sense. Um, I was in a relationship at the time and we moved at the same time and I came during the DNC. Okay. And the city was just electric. Yeah. You know, and I'd never been around that amount of energy with access because one of the delegates from my hometown and um, one of the uh, state representatives of Rockford, Illinois, his name was, um, you know, state rep Chuck Jefferson. And I had some, 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 um, some contacts and some people who, who really looked out for me, um, who actually became the next uh, state rep, which is uh, Dr. Latisa Wallace. Okay. And it was like, made the connection. Was like, oh, well, you know, you know, Chuck's down there. You know, he, he said, give him a call. So I'm hanging out with delegates during the DNC. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> so I'm not just on the streets walking around. I'm everywhere I right. need to be with yeah, access, yeah. with credentials. And I never forgot it. I'm like, man, this is this is really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, Charlotte turned into a pumpkin <laughs> the next week, right. you know. But it was just an amazing introduction into a great city. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, I have interviewed people so far with this podcast, and a handful have said, "Alvin, what about Alvin? You got to talk to Alvin." Mm-hmm. And um, with with following you and um, Michael Graff. Michael, so, man, Mike is so amazing. Great guy. Jesus. Um, One of the best writers, man, yep. like I've literally ever met. Yeah. And you two have brought uh, awareness to me of, look, you can look at Charlotte from the outside and be like, wow, great, growing city. But when you get into it, it's, there's just so many issues. And, you know, um, there was a story that he wrote that brought to my attention with uh, Tent City. Mm-hmm. Um, stories that you've done, you did the exhibit of Welcome to Brook Hill. And with those stories, just it's, it's put me in that position to want to understand what the problem is. You know and, what the problem is. Yeah? You know what the problem is. Right. So. <laughs> I know what the problem yeah. is. And I think people will understand when they actually open their eyes that the city's not perfect in that way, you know? And have you seen any growth or any shift since you've been here? I have. I yeah. absolutely have. So <clears throat> one of the responsibilities of what we do, you have to give yourself grace and not try to do everything. Mm-hmm. A educator, for example, might not be a builder. Might just be a teacher. They don't have to know about construction. They don't have to know about, you, you know, we, we tend to, to place the responsibility of fixing the entire problem on one individual. So the activist has to have all the answers. Well, no, the activist may or may not just be bringing awareness to the issue. So, you know, to do your job as the, as the civic leader, you know, as the, as the community member, as the politician, if everyone's doing their job, you know, it, it's, it's always been, um, it's agitate, educate, legislate, agitate, educate, legislate. 
one person might not be able to fill all three of those roles. Mm -hmm. But if you play your position, we're going to get by this thing. We're going to get past this thing. We're going to get through this thing. But I've seen growth. I've seen change because Charlotte, I believe, is closer to understanding that it cannot sustain this current business model of everything costs more than it absolutely should. So when we have real estate, which God isn't making any more dirt, it can't just be a city of wealth. It can't just be a city of opulence and means because this pandemic has showed us that the essential workers are all the ones that are so close to minimum wage. It isn't even funny. All the essential workers are poor outside of, you know, um, law enforcement and people like that, you, you know, who, mm-hmm. who are, you know, upper, upper, um, upper middle class, you know, in salaries, but hell, I don't even know what that means anymore. Right. But the change I've saw the change I've seen, I continue to see, it makes me optimistic, but also I'm holding everyone's feet to the fire. You don't get to, um, Malcolm X stated, you know, pull the knife out of my back, you know, a few inches and tell me that that's progress. You know, no, man, there's no reason why Tent City, as it's um, as it's being called, is expanding. There's no reason why it's getting bigger. That, that should not be a thing. Mm-hmm. There should not be more people in that situation. It should be less people. Right. And less people that... Act like they don't understand how we got here. It's interesting that when we're talking about our houseless population specifically, um, you'll hear someone's opinion that, well, they're just going to take the money and buy drugs. They're just going to take the money and buy alcohol. Like that's not the same thing that we do. Where the money comes from doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same things with it, and it's not saying everyone that is in a houseless situation um, is in that particular boat. But why do we act like we're not just humans? The human being that may or may not have a house right now. Right. You're the same person, man. Mm -hmm. If we take your house from you, take where you live from you right now and you have to figure it out, you know, there may be some things that increase, you know, there may be some things that that, that, that decrease, but you're still a human being. Right. And that lack of empathy, uh, when we remove the humanity from people we feel who don't deserve, that's why it's easy to say, well, they're, they're just going to use drugs so they don't deserve a house. They're just going to use alcohol so they don't deserve a house. Well, it feels like that's just, it's everybody judging those people. Oh, yeah. And that's and that's yeah. that's the one thing that when Michael was doing that story about it, uh, it's like they're people who lost their oh, homes. Yeah. And they had a job and now they don't. And now they can't afford to have that house. They're not looking for drugs. They're looking to just <laughs> better their life, you Bro, know? Like people who, who've never, if I was, if my reality of what goes on when things go left is different than yours, mm-hmm. right? You you shared with me um, kind of what you do for a living outside of, of your art. And that means you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know. You know if one or two of those checks are a little late, right? You know. 
and how quickly the domino effect um, begins to take place. How difficult it is to get help because all of our peers are in the same boat as we're in. So you realize that it's more a system than your work ethic. You realize it's more a system than your habits, than your vices, than your hustle. It's a system. Mm -hmm. And that system is designed for poor people to blame poor people, the effects of poverty on other poor people. That's the system. That's part of the system. So when people say poverty is violence, it's that specifically because what you're forced to do um, to exist. You know, there's a community in Tent City, right? right. Um, that's that's a community. They right. have, you know, um, a support system that we may or may not understand. We may or may not agree with. But people should not be forced. I go, I go camping. I sleep in tents when I want to, mm-hmm. not because I have to. So we can't continue to allow people to not have in a city that has so much. Right. This wealth, there's a disparity. You know, we keep saying, well, who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for it from the top down? You know, we, we haven't figured out um, HIV and AIDS yet. We haven't figured out cancer yet. But this COVID vaccine is just, we got it. Oh, it's good. Just come on, let's go. And again, it, I'm not equating, you know, either of those um, medical responsibilities. But we've been played for so long. And that's, I mean, Frederick Douglass said, um, did he say education or was it, hold on. No, it wasn't information. It wasn't education. It was something. I I forgot it. I love this quote. But basically, it was it was um, it, it 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 makes a man like this makes a man unfit to be a slave. I forgot what it was. Either education, uh, um, information, something. Mm-hmm. But the more we know, the government and you know other other individuals can't take advantage of of us as much. So we have to figure out why these systems aren't working. We have to figure out why these systems are continuously in place, why it makes more sense to incarcerate someone than it is to make sure that they have a place to live. Why are we criminalizing poverty? Why is cash bail still a thing? All of these things, all of these things are in the same bowl. You know, it's all money. And in America, you get the justice that you can afford. So if you are, incarcerated or locked up or you get the wrong charge, you can't even live in certain places. We got another problem. If you uh, catch the wrong charge or you get locked up, you can't own a firearm. In some states, you can't vote. These are systems. Mm -hmm. Hell, you can file bankruptcy 456 times. One felony, life. What are we doing? Right. And these are all these are all little components. They're all components, but it has a lot to do with marginalizing and disenfranchising certain members. Well, clearly the most vulnerable members of our population. This is what we do in this country. And then it's like, well, what's wrong with you people? What? Like, like, why can't they get it together? Mm-hmm. Yes, we've ravaged their neighborhoods. But first and foremost, the language that they, the, the family, 
we took that for hundreds of years. And every time they get a footing, we take it again. Yep. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about how, you know, the Irish became white. And that's really a book. It's, it says the Irish, how the Irish yeah. became white. Because that's always the argument. Well, Irish people were slaves too. Or this and that. You know, there's always other people that were, man, come on, man. Mm -hmm. So now it's like the whataboutism. And again, that has everything to do with the lack of empathy in this community. Everyone allegedly always has it harder, but you really don't. Or, right. or, 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 um, in Brook Hill, for example, you know, um, the rent is at a certain is at a certain um, um, price, and you hear people say, "Man, I wish I could pay that. I wish my rent was at." No, you don't. No, you don't. You can't. You you can't wait to tell people where you live in Charlotte, right? Because that's your means. Like that's the caste system. You know, you can't wait. Mm -hmm. You can't wait to tell people where you went to school. You can't wait to tell people what you drive. Right. That's what we do in America. Because you're on the other side of that street. Absolutely. But we act like it's, oh, man, look, I could go on. Yeah. Now, I'm happy you brought up Brook Hill. So I was watching um, the guided tour you did. Um, so if you can just, uh, if you can explain how that whole project came about. And there's a community wall where people could uh, put post-it notes on um uh, it was them explaining what community means to them. And there, was there any, any note that you saw that sticks out to you still from that exhibit? Oh man. How welcome to Brook Hill came about the Gantt center had a project in mind mm -hmm. and I was chosen to help bring the project to life. It, if we're talking um, moments, you know, commission projects happen every day, but they don't often happen in a community that you would call home. It's usually something somewhere else or something that you're so far removed from. You know, you parachute in, you do your job, you get your check, you go home. Right. This wasn't like that. So... It was an opportunity to to work um, among community members that would eventually become friends. And I wasn't told what to do just when I needed to do it. And giving, being given that autonomy by, I mean, an institution of the Gantz magnitude. Right. See, sometimes, you know, we get comfortable. Oh, man, that's just the Gantt Center. Oh, man, that's just, that's just, no. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. No. And when you don't lose sight of that, that's when that power kicks in. When you realize what you're plugged into and the autonomy you've been given, you don't squander those opportunities. So I knew that I, I had a responsibility to the community of Brook Hill Village, that I would not be responsible for their humanity because I didn't have the power to take their humanity. Because I'm, I've been credited with it. Oh, you know, you really, you know, you know their, their humanity? No, I check that every single time. People have been living in Brook Hill since 1951. Mm -hmm. Like this beautiful community that has existed long before I was even born. How can I give them something that they've already had, that they've always had, that they will always have? But I knew that I couldn't place them in a vulnerable position 
that was the responsibility. Um, it it couldn't be about, hey, I'm here to help you. Let me help you. Right. I'm helping you. Hey, I'm helping you. Couldn't be about that. It had to be about reflecting the beauty and the trust and loyalty, determination of a community that Charlotte has pretty much left defend on its own. So it was my responsibility to not harm the community. I needed to reflect the community and hopefully return to it better than I found it. I wasn't a philanthropist. I wasn't a community organizer. I wasn't a politician, you know, but there was something that I could do to help them fight for themselves Mm -hmm. because that's what they've been doing the whole time. They've been fighting the whole time. They've never given up. So my job was to help them fight, give them the tools, the access. um, The voice. Absolutely. The voice that they could use to continue this outstanding community. Mm-hmm. And sometimes without that voice, without the access, you know, people are doing the work, but it's just so difficult to get to the point of where people are hearing you. So that's where the responsibility of celebrities come in. That's where the you know responsibility of influencers come in. Use, use some of that pull you have, use some of that audience you have for good. Help, help um, shine light on some great causes, you know, some amazing organizations, but Hmm. Something that, that, that really stood out, like, I mean, almost every day because the entire village um, had had access to the institution. So you can come, like, whenever you want. You know, you want to come see the exhibition, you can. Like, mm-hmm. you're good. So to see the children from the exhibition, um, from the communities there, not just the grand opening where we had, like, well over a 1,000 people. Like, I don't know what record that broke, but every single floor was occupied. It was so amazing. God, it was amazing. That's great. You know, I've never seen anything like that. I've definitely never been a part of anything like that. But what was standing out was that every single day there were different messages. So, like, the chalk wall would be erased. It would take photos of it, and then it would be erased. Take photos, it would be erased. Post your notes, you know, everything's recorded. And it's like hearing these, hearing these voices from former residents, current residents, and from people who had no clue. I knew we were doing the right thing. Because conversations had started to increase. Right. Work was already being done, but conversations had started to increase with ownership and, you know, what to do about Brook Hill, you know, what to do about Brook Hill. Well, now there's a conversation being had. Where before, maybe Charlotte kind of wanted to do Brook Hill like it did Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Maybe Charlotte wanted to do Brook Hill like it did Cherry and a host of other communities in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. But now there's a spotlight, and now you really can't move the way you want to move. You got to kind of do the right thing. So some communities didn't have that chance, and I wanted to, um, I wanted to do my part. So yeah. what was really standing out was just seeing and being able to talk to so many people around yeah. the world, like not just Charlotte, but around the world that were coming in. And I would, I mean, I would go to the exhibition, shoot, two three times a week, right, right, and I'd just be in there. I'd just be in there, just. No one knew who I was, maybe, or maybe they did, you know, but just listening to people and talking to people. Because, like, usually the artist doesn't live in the city. 
you know, you're in New York, you know, the guy's in another country somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll come in for the opening and for the closing, but that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, back to doing other work. I was in the city. So when I wasn't traveling, I'd be at the institution. And that just gave me so much information because I was learning about things I didn't even know about. And people I didn't even know were, were, were instrumental, you know, in preserving the history of Brook Hill. So it wasn't necessarily a particular message. It was just the overall theme of community that I was able to witness. Yeah. Love it. And you were talking about relationships and trust. And uh, I was watching something that you did, and um, that was one of the main things you were talking about is when you were there and you were documenting, it's, it means more when you have that person's trust to tell that story. Was there anybody that kind of stood out to you more when you were there? Um, yeah. Just that, that you'll never forget. Yeah. And I still go there, mm-hmm. you know, it's cold as all get out right now. But yeah. I mean, I was there, um, most recently we had a, um, Halloween, uh, trunk or treat. That was like the last event I was there. It was in October, but the brother who kind of introduced me to the community was uh, Van Anthony, uh, which is Two Face, and um, his, his beautiful daughter China, and I was I was able to to meet other members of the community through um, him, and and of course through the relationship at the Gantt, because you know they they had already you know um, reached out to community members. So I mean Miss Debbie over there has been amazing. She's um, over the the uh, community center. And it's just, I mean, um, the former um, pastor of, of, of the church that's, that's, that's in the community, you know, Ray McKinnon. Um, people that have just been just instrumental in helping me through this work. You know, there are so many names, but those, those individuals um, really helped me see things a little differently. Yeah. And I needed that. I definitely needed that. Um, we talk still, you know, and I think that's important. You know, once once you have a genuine friendship, genuine respect, and you know, love for folks, you know, you keep the party going. Yeah, you know, we all exactly, need that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, what community you live in. You know, you do need these genuine connections, and that's 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 really one of the greatest takeaways. You know, that I was able to to build uh, friendships and you know relationships with folks I would have otherwise not have known Mm -hmm. um last time you met you were talking about um that project i don't know if you can dive into that more but the dark room uh how's that coming along so i have all the equipment okay i have it all and covid has made everything raggedy yeah you know and it's really in real estate, it's location, 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 mm-hmm. right? So there's this one place, this one spot, this one space. It's just taking a while. It's taking like months. Yeah. It wasn't supposed to take that long. Second months. And now there's this other location that might be the summer of 2021. And it's like, because, yeah. you know, with a project like this, it's not like this is the most money making this opportunity in the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is more passion. This is more art. This is more community focus, giving back, you know. So a five-year lease at $50 a square foot ain't going to work for this project. So um, getting the equipment was the first step. 
you know, getting the business plan, getting the business was the first step. So I could literally put it anywhere, but I have to be very careful with resources because hell, every 30 seconds, we, you know, we got a shutdown. Mm-hmm. You know, you mess around and get a, get a freaking business loan and the money gets funny, it's going to be a problem. Right. You know, or you sign that lease in a commercial structure, in a commercial space, they're going to want their money. So just kind of hoping things start getting better, you know, before money, you know, starts getting moved around and passed around. So, but I've got the equipment, um, got the name, got the logos, got everything ready to go. Awesome. But I'm just kind of waiting to see what's going to be available in the next few months. And it's winter time now. Mm-hmm. You know, I had hoped, you know, heck, by the fall, let's go. Right. But again, COVID. Right. You know, like when we were talking about it, COVID wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Now it's a thing. Yep. So kind of, you know, I didn't want to jump in and be on the hook for tens of thousands of dollars, you know, when just patience would have just allowed me to walk through. Yeah. So uh, I can't, uh, I can't thank you uh, enough for your time. Um, like I said, the work that you do, the inspiration you have given me, continue to give me, um, it, it means the world to me. Um, so I, I appreciate you taking a couple minutes, a couple times that we met just to say hi. Uh, that for me goes a long way. And I just want to end it with a quote that, um, that you said, and it was an interview a couple of years ago. Uh, you said, I want to go down in history as one of those who stood up, who did what he could with what he had, who consistently showed up. And man, um, that's just a testament to what you will absolutely do and what you have done. And I know I can speak for other people who will 100% agree with me on that. So thank you for absolutely. for everything, thank man. Oh, thank you, man, for the invitation, man. It, I don't... I, I decline more than I accept. Um, not for any other reason than I'm, I'm protecting my energy. Mm-hmm. And so when it's a yes, it's a yes. Yeah. You know, and um, you're doing good work, you know, and the more work you do, the better you get at it. It's not just the more opportunities, but the better you feel and the better your community becomes. Right. That's really it, man. I mean, yeah. I'm not making a whole lot of money, bro. Like, I'm not. Yeah. You know, um, because it wasn't set up for that. Right. It's not designed to pivot. Not designed to be a business model. It's not designed, dude. It's work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's work. You know, and I'm in it. Yep. Um, I'm able to be in it, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. I'm going to do it as long as I can, as best as I can. But it's because of my community that I'm able to. Yeah. That's it. I couldn't do this on my own. And it, I know it seems like, you know, I'm on my own, but there's no way could I be on my own. Mm-hmm. There's people that care about me. There's organizations that care about me. There's, it's humbling. Yeah. It really, 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 really is. Every award, every accolade is like, yo, this is for the people. Like yep. if there was ever an award show, you know, you know, my speech would be dope. So I'd be like, oh, no, this is no for the people, you know, because that's really what it is. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah. It's never about me. It's never been that's about right. me. I don't care about being famous. I don't care about, you know, who I am. Just kind of like move right. over to the left a little bit so I can get this shot. Right. Yeah. That's kind of it. Mm-hmm. And if I can maintain that 
indefinitely, dude, I'm good. Yeah. So I appreciate you, bro. Cool, man. Best of luck to you, man. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you.